Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show episode by episode. Join me as I talk about TV, entertainment, nostalgia, and pop culture with some of the greatest talent that Central Florida has to offer. Welcome back to the show. I have got a great guest this week. You all know him. You all love him. Matthew Arter is back, and he is so happy to be back because this week is the beginning of Season 5. The Edna's Edibles years are upon us. Before we start, though, I've got to welcome a new Tutti Fruity, Kevin L. Hi, Kevin. Kevin's been corresponding on Facebook for some time. Thank you so much for joining the fold. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor like Kevin, you can head on over to the Patreon page and you can support Let's Face the Facts for as little as a dollar a month. So before we jump in, just a reminder that uh, I'm working here on Skype due to social distancing, the wonderful global pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19 times that we live in. So the sound quality is a little bit different, but I think it's perfectly fine. This week, Matthew and I watched Season 5, Episode 1, Brave New World, Part 1, with the original air date of September 21st, 1983. I think we're ready to jump on in, kids. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arder. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad we are, in spite of our social distancing, able to do so. And have you back, Matthew Arder? I'm not going to get emotional, but you don't know how happy I am to see your face. Oh, I'm happy to see your face too, honey. I would just like it known that I put clothes on for this, and this is strange for me to be in a Skype meeting with clothes on, David. Is it? (laughs) Well. I will say it is hard to get through this episode without tearing up because this is my sweet spot. So fucking happy, and I'm so happy that... Uh, that not even a global pandemic can keep me away from having you on the show to talk about the inception of your favorite season. So let's get some business out of the way, shall we, before we start talking about the show. We just watched season five, episode one, Brave New World, part one. It was directed by the wonderful Asad Kalada. And uh, he will direct all but four episodes this season. Last season, he did every single one. For some reason, he wanted a vacation this year. So um, it was written by Linda Marsh and Margie Peters. Those are our friends who created the show and fixed it back in season two. And this season, they have been promoted from producers to executive producers. I have no idea what that means other than I think it's probably a raise. It's probably a pay raise and less responsibility, honestly. Oh, that's probably it. Yeah. So this is this is a big one, kids, because the, the Eastland years are behind us. Yes! <laughs> we are about to chop these sets down and burn them for scrap, but not quite yet. We got a little more to go. Yeah, a couple more. And, um... But we don't, now now talk to me. In this episode, we only see the kitchen 
And Mrs. Garrett's bedroom. Do we ever see the cafeteria? I'm I'm blanking here. We don't. So they've already wrecked the cafeteria set. They kept Mrs. Garrett confined to the kitchen, her bedroom, and then, of course, Edna's edibles. Smart little cookies, those people. I have a feeling that the the common area that they open the show in where Blair is playing cards and everything at Langley, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was a transitionary, very cheap set where where the cafeteria was. Oh, you're probably right. Like, you are, I, I would, yeah. Because it's very simple. It's like a left entrance and a right entrance, and that's yeah. it. So You're right. We're like, definitely not built to last, yeah. But that um, does make me wonder, like, was the Edna's Edible set on the same stage that the, that the, um, that the cafeteria set was? That makes me wonder where the set, like... Yeah, how was how was the soundstage configured? Yeah, did they have to move the audience around in order to see everything? I yeah, that fascinates me too because mm. I've never actually been to a taping of a TV show. Have you? Well, you know, I've been in. I was an extra on Mash. Were you? Too. Tell me, what was that like? Well, I'll tell you. They called her Hot Lips, and it wasn't about her face. <laughs> The wonderful Loretta Swit, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, a dear friend of yours. Uh Okay. We did Uh, Maine together. The tour. You who who played what in Maine? She was um she was Agnes Gooch in Maine in Vegas. Loretta Swit. Swear to God. (laughs) And what were you? Very young. Okay. Well, let's start off. Um, we like to do our research, Matthew. We are about to start a new season. It's a new, not really a new year, but yes, it's a new year. Yeah. And um, here's what I propose that we do. Okay. In the past, we have covered world events. Yeah. We have covered entertainment milestones. Yeah. And then we've gotten into specific TV, TV stuff. Yeah. Let's hold off on the TV, TV stuff for part two. So, yeah, Matthew Arter, it is September 1983. Again, you and I, neither of us had been born yet. Right. This is far, far before uh, our conceptions. And uh, so tell us, what was going on in the world in 1983? Don't mind if I do. Um, (laughs) You want to know what people were wearing? What were people wearing? Um, I will tell you, Blair Warner was high fashion. Like, was she? I know that I've got a comment about the first scene you see her in when we start talking about the show, but she is high fashion. The Dorothy Michaels blouse with the puffy sleeves. Um, the belted skirts. Yeah. The, um, A-line in the boots. Yeah. Um, wow. The ladies were first starting to put on leg warmers. Oh, yeah. Oh. Let's get physical. Olivia yeah. Newton-John. Um. And I don't know if you are too old for this in 83. How dare you? They were called thermal boots, but they were also known as moon boots. I do not Uh, remember this. Every cool kid had a moon boots. It was snowshoes, like snow boots, but they just, they looked like moon boots. Okay. Like a, a precursor to Uggs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see them now. They they do look familiar. They it didn't were occur to me. Everything. 
That was a thing. Wow. Oh my God. You get them in different colors and uh, mine were blue and gray. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> so they were made for boys too? I love those boots. <clears throat> I was 15 years old and I was, believe it or not, not a slave to fashion. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I do not remember those. What oh, else was going on? You want to play Price is Right for the for the toys that were new this year? Oh, God. Okay. Come and get your prize. David, this item is up for bid. A brand new Atari home console system. The Atari 2600? Not 2600. 50-something. 55-0. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 52 because it's 2,600 times two. Yeah. Oh, God, the Atari 5200. I never upgraded to that. The 2,600 was my jam. I loved it. I would say one of those consoles sold for 299.99. Wow. I thought you were going to nail it. It was $200, David. Oh. You went over so you don't get to go home with the Atari. Bum, bum, ba-dum, and the biggest thing to hit the U.S. of A., right in the toy store was the Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, I knew you were going to say it, but I didn't want to, I, I, I didn't dare hope. 1983, the Cabbage Patch, it would be the equivalent of what uh, toilet paper is today. You cannot get it anywhere. Seriously. It was such, I mean, people lost their fucking minds. And it's just like Beanie Babies. They work nothing now. No, yeah. uh, go on eBay. We can get we'll probably for five <laughs> bucks. <laughs> They'll My pay the God. shipping. What else was going on? Were there uh, uh, some more stuff or fashion or world events? Um, well, I kind of stayed away from world events because it was just, you know, it was the year we bombed. We we invaded um, Grenada and stuff. It's really Reagan. Um, You won't remember this because you were too old. Um, hey. The D.A.R.E. program was started. Dare, dare to be drug free? Is that it? Is that what dare that is? Dare to keep kids off drugs, David. Oh. <laughs> A huge waste of money by the government to once again scare away children from the evils of marijuana. Oh, dear. <laughs> A whole new generation was going to be afraid of marijuana because of fucking D.A.R.E. Wow. <sighs> You could go to McDonald's in 1983 and get chicken McNuggets. <gasps> that was a new thing. A new thing. Wow. We People don't realize that as children, we grew up in a world without chicken McNuggets, yeah. uh, without breakfast at fast food restaurants. It yeah. was tough. The, the struggle uh, was real. Yeah. Without McDonald's sweet and sour sauce is what we grew up without. Oh, yeah. Damn, and it's so good. I know. And they act like they are, you are taking it from their children when you ask for some, don't they? Oh. <laughs> you know, can I get a sweet and sour sauce? And they're like, uh, and they hand you one. A thimble. <laughs> I got two large fries in here. I'm going to need about four of those. What else was going on, Matthew? Okay. I went back and listened because to the last season opener that we did. I did too. I did too. Because we talked about Thriller. Yes. Everything I looked up about 1983 
said Thriller was released. Oh, no. Did we get the year wrong? I don't know. I, everything I looked up in 1982 said Thriller was released. We're going we're gonna to look at this here. Michael Jackson, the Thriller album was released in 82. Music video for Thriller premiered on December 83. That's where we got tripped up. The album Thriller came out the previous year, but the, the video happened later. Um, one other little thing, Miss America, Vanessa Williams, the first African-American. Oh. Uh, yeah. Became Miss America. That was 83. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I don't even think we need to talk about what happened after that because I don't think it's important. No. Top movie, obviously, Return of the Jedi. Oh, yes. Big, 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 big one. It is my favorite. It's not Me the best too. Movie, but it is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I love Jabba. I... Uh, people say that they don't like the Ewoks. They think it's too sappy and syrupy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, look, Star Wars was Star Wars. There is no equal. But if you had to start making sequels, Empire Strikes Back, overrated. And it doesn't have an ending. It's a fucking cliffhanger. It's not a movie if it can't stand alone. That's what makes it amazing, though. To you me, spent two hours and you learned one thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like important stuff happens in it. But plot-wise... Yeah. The whole, how how long they spin their wheels with Han and Leia being in the mouth of that snake on that planet. And, uh, you know, the Millennium Falcon storyline just doing nothing because we have to get Luke training with Yoda. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we're such nerds. I love Return of the Jedi. Also, it wraps the story up. It is still my favorite. But yes, I agree. Terms of endearment. <sighs> the wonderful James L. Brooks. I've never seen it. Oh, Matthew. I can't handle it, David. Uh-huh. I cried at the opening of this show. <laughs> you think I can handle terms of endearment? Uh, well, I mean, yes, you're going to cry. Everybody cries. It's a cry. It's a it's a two-hanky film. You watch Steel Magnolias, don't you? I, not anymore. I would prefer to watch other two-hanky films, if you know what I mean. Oh, <laughs> I will just say I recommend Terms of Endearment is wonderful. And of course, the, the big breakdown scene of Shirley MacLaine in the hospital saying oh, it's in well-deserved Oscar, Ms. MacLaine. Excellent. Um, my favorite also, <laughs> Superman 3. Oh, no. That cannot be. I do not allow you. That cannot be your favorite. Richard Pryor. (laughs) Richard Pryor sits at a computer and magically can do coding and calculus. (laughs) Oh, God. Awful. God, it's awful. I think, though, that that movie, because also War Games. Oh, Came Very out. important. Um, I think those two movies, Superman three and um, and War Games. <laughs> I think those two movies, being about what they were with computers, scarred my generation of Americans from computers. Oh. 
<laughs> we were raised to believe that if we pressed the wrong button, we were going to start World War III. You were going to launch a missile to Russia, yes. Uh, there is a great uh, other podcast called Forgotten TV, and it goes in depth, like multiple hours long episodes about the TV show Whiz Kids. And Whiz Kids was a one season wonder that ran on CBS, and it was basically, you know, kids as computer hackers. It was 1983. Yeah. It did. It, it premiered this this same yeah. fall, right? It, it yeah. came so up. It came up in my research for TV. Yeah. So that's a thing, and that was 100% born of the fact of this this whole war games thing. But um, and we do have an upcoming episode of the Facts of Life, I believe, where Natalie somehow miraculously logs into the disc of a rival uh, delicatessen. Sandwich shop. Matthew is shaking his head vigorously with a big grin. There are a lot of computer episodes coming up, and I am here for it. He's so excited. <laughs> There's one where Joe has a whole, it's just Joe talking to a computer. Oh! <gasps> about her relationship with Blair. I remember that. <laughs> it's coming up. It's hilarious. Um, Mr. Mom. Oh, yeah? Wonderful Mr. Mom. Car. The wonderful uh, Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah, he was in that, too. Um, <laughs> a movie that I believe turned a generation gay. Uh-huh. Risky Business. Oh, my God. Oh. I could not tell you what that movie is about. <laughs> but I can tell you every second you get to see his bulge. Oh. Little tidy whiteness. In his underwear. Yeah. And then we got like the two frame uh, accidental glimpse of his wiener in all the right moves. How many videotapes and remote controls were worn out by little gay boys like us? Oh, bless. So. It was different kids. Didn't have a porn studio in our goddamn pocket. No. Um, also, All the Right Moves came out that year, too. So, oh, was it the same year? Yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, that's all I have for world events. We are caught up. We are ready to step in. I have to point out, of course, as I do at the beginning of every season, the ages of the girls. Yep. Here's an interesting thing. I had, I, I have been wrong, Matthew. I know. I know it's the shock on your face. I have been wrong, like a wrongy McWrongerton person, mm-hmm. about the ages of the girls. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not about the ages, about the years of the girls. Um, let us let us review as we go here. It was um, one of my listeners, her name is Melissa G, who mentioned in a comment somewhere, she said, you do know Natalie doesn't graduate till the end of season six, and you keep saying she's a junior here in season four. I've been saying Blair and Joe last season, Blair and Joe were seniors. And I said, Natalie's a junior, Tootie's a sophomore. That is wrong. 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 You got to back up Tootie and Natalie an entire year. And I can't fucking believe I missed that. But absolutely. It's on the interview show at the end of season six when they're talking about. The, oh, what or a the, horrible episode. I love that. Ep- it's basically Charlotte Ray's goodbye, you realize. 
She is in a couple more after that, but it's really her beautiful swan song. Um, Mm -hmm. And another sidebar. We've been wondering, do you know why Tootie is called Tootie? Where the nickname came from? No. The answer is in that interview show. When I was doing this research, Tootie, Tootie says, I have been here at Eastland since I was in sixth grade, which is true, which once again fucks up. What are the years that Eastland <laughs> exists in? Because I thought she started in seventh. And it's like, okay, seven and eight is junior high. Nine to 12 is, so it's a junior slash high school. Nope, Tootie says she's been there since sixth grade. And she said, I talked a lot. So they gave me the name Tootie. Uh, your face is matching my face right now. We're like, what? how does calling a person Tootie refer to them talking a lot that sounds like farting a lot but anyway that's where tootie comes from that's a total sidebar anyway to confirm ages now as we enter season five these are corrected and i i reserve the right to continue to be wrong in the future Uh, in the facts of life cinematic universe the folcu charlotte ray is 57 Mrs. Garrett's age is never explicitly stated. We're just going to assume they're the same age. Right now, Lisa Huelchel is 20, playing Blair Warner, who is 19. Nancy McKeon is 17 years old, playing Joe, who is 19. Blair and Joe are both college freshmen. Mindy Cohn is 17. She is playing Natalie, who is 17. That may change because in season four, they incorrectly labeled her twice as being 15 years old when she is not. In season four, Natalie should be 16. So I'm continuing with my timeline, which is correct, not the shit the writers are putting out. Sure. So Natalie and Mindy Cohn are both 17, and Natalie is now a high school junior, entering her junior year. And Kim Fields is 14 playing 2t who is 16 a high school sophomore so that is their ages and uh that's just what i need to state at the beginning of every season as we know it's a little obsession of mine i'm i'm not typically a very obsessive person matthew you know not really fixated on minutia no details that's not really my thing but i just like to touch base there with that um so are we ready to begin Synopsis. Yes, because the opening new theme, the new theme, and their new um, video. There's new shots in it. Yeah, come up. We keep futzing around, and I I keep messing up what the um I call them. I guess we'll call them title cards or actor the title cards. What we when we see the actor with their name below it is that i'm going to call them title cards all right and uh interestingly the the title of the show the facts of life for the moment is still in front of the eastland cafeteria building correct and it will remain there for these two episodes but then it does change doesn't it for episode three or four four it is four okay and uh, we have that so this theme is for the most part the same as last season Except we have new title cards for Charlotte Ray and for Lisa Welchel, uh-huh. and both of them are 
not a clip from the show. They are specifically yeah. made for the show. They went, Charlotte, stand there and smile uncomfortably at the camera. God, it is so <clears throat> awful. Yeah. Ugh. Especially Blair's, because it really looks like she's not happy to be there. Yeah. And I, I feel I feel like bad for like somebody just told her some bad news and she's upset. And they're like, smile. And she's like. Yeah. <laughs> and when the eyes dart off off camera just for a nanosecond, when you're just like, are we fucking done yet? Did you yeah. take the goddamn picture? Yeah. Now, um, yeah. So we do have new things in the theme and that will continue to evolve as we go along here. And as Edna's edibles takes over, um, here's the thing. I have to say, for this being a two-part episode, or uh, as we like to call them, two Arder episodes. Hey, hey <laughs> um, What we do not have is the Thornton Wilder moments of people stopping and staring and slow fades and slow dissolves. This episode clips right along, yeah. starts right in the middle of the action, and just continues to, to do that in and it's lovely i'm so happy with it it is and i i believe the show remains that way mm-hmm. i think but i feel like i was because i was thinking that i was like they had a lot of fucking ground to cover mm-hmm. like i mean they had to build the edna's edible set not only build the set but distress the set yeah to build another one <laughs> And I get it, like, smart, smartly. They were like, oh, well, we can film this one now that we're halfway through construction, you know? And it does show, so I'm, like, they were utilizing the fact they were building the set at the same time, but they had to build that fucking set and then Mm -hmm. distress it. (laughs) And would cover it in cobwebs and shit. For two scenes, for two scenes. So That's the magic of television. Yeah. But yes. So uh, let's uh, get right into it. Matthew, you know yeah. the drill. Give me for Brave New World Part One only. Please give me your one to two sentence TV guide synopsis. Okay. Um, this week on the Facts of Life, it's the last time you're going to see that crappy Eastland. Hey, why you? I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, 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 uh, okay, fine. We'll do this. Get ready. Facts of Life is about to get good. Is is it? It really is. <laughs> I I'm not really. I'm just fucking with you. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's fine. I look forward to rediscovering it because I really have not seen these. I think in a you'll long be time. pleasantly surprised. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, as I was saying before, this episode starts right in the middle of the action. We are in a dorm room. And there is loud music playing, and Blair and Joe come in, and they're in the middle of a conversation that they're having difficulty having the conversation because of the loud music. And uh, very quickly, we realize that this is Blair's dorm room. Can you hear me? Are you okay? I can hear you, but for some reason, I felt like my episode started in the common room, and Blair, and Blair was playing cards. <gasps> oh shit did i see i gotta pull the dvd i might have seen the edited down version yeah you oh. did wait a minute I, mine start. it's a whole scene where we see how popular B- blair is and joe comes in and gets her and takes her to her dorm room oh 
Well, that did not happen. My my episode that I saw must be the rerun cut. And this is where the episode starts. Well, here's a discovery, kids. I typically I the digital versions that I have, I don't even remember where I got them from at this point. I I usually watch the digital ones, not the ones on the DVD. And now that I look at it, the digital one is 22 minutes and seven seconds. Uh, an unedited episode is 25. So there are three minutes missing here. Uh-oh. And uh, this is going to be interesting. So Matthew watched the long version, which is on the the Roku channel. I watched the short version, which is on Daily Motion. And uh, yeah, well, this is good. We will we will discover together what uh, what is there and what's missing. So Matthew, uh, clearly they cut out the beginning scene. So you tell us how does this episode start? Well, we open with um, the common area, if you will, about we're assuming we're finding out quickly the Langley dorm. It's a co-ed dorm. Ooh. Blair is playing cards with a group of people and all the men are hanging all over her. Typical Blair. She's loving the attention. The other girl playing at the table isn't happy about this at all. So no. she's kind of kind of nasty to my Blair. But, um, and, and it's just very quick. And Joe comes running in and grabs Blair and pulls her into her dorm room and pulls her away from being popular. Mm-hmm. And that's where the rerun episode starts, where sure. we just jump right in. Yep. Uh, now, let's talk about Blair's dorm room here. We have got uh, Blair's poster we've got the new yorker poster that she of course carries with her throughout her life and she's got two broadway posters uh yeah. Matthew, did you notice them of course and uh which ones are they um follies mm-hmm. isn't it yep and um that's not nine is it no it's the 81 joseph papp pirates of penzance oh yeah 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 yeah. kevin klein i saw the leg sticking out because pirates of penzance looks like they're bursting through a a sail like they're bursting through the poster paper so it's very noisy there's music playing blair has to bang on the wall and it's it's kind of a chaotic scene it's not portraying dorm life is peaceful and uh, basically, Joe has come to her saying she needs help because she has lost the campus job she was supposed to work, which was going to complete the tuition that she needed yeah. to go to Langley. And God bless her. Even Blair says what we're thinking. She says, "Ugh, is it a money thing again with you, Joe? We've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is a good motivator. It really is. And I think the writers did a great job of like really quickly letting us know how drastically these two people's lives have changed. Yes. Agreed. Like the, with the opening scene that you missed and um, how she just walked in and she's like, this is my life now. I bang on the wall to get them to turn off their music. Yeah. And yeah. My every day and that and Joe being chaotic. And so I don't know. I like that. I, I did, too. As opposed to, it could have easily been, well, here we are. Can you believe it? It's our first day of college. Have you got yeah. your bags? I mean, they could have done that. It's a new season. It's September. It's a new school year. But I I agree with you. It's very commendable. The writer said, no, no, no. They, Blair needs to be moved in every 
every bookshelf has got books in it. Like they are already there. This 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 train has left the station as far as their college lies, and uh, and it was very nice. So uh, while they're having this conversation, a guy walks in, and literally his name is Guy, and he uh, comes in, and he's in his clothes, but he has a towel around his neck. We we do later see him in a towel. It's so funny that he didn't have the towel this time, but uh, <laughs> we have two really good jokes. First of all is Blair says, with conditioner or without, and he says, surprise me and joe goes surprise and shoves him out the door and slams the fucking door in his face yeah i'm almost beginning to think joe doesn't like boys matthew i don't think she wants those boys anywhere near her girlfriend (laughs) and then blair in her response to joe kicking him out and she's like what did you do that for if he doesn't look good i don't look good yeah matthew what is that a reference to it's not um um Jordash or Vidal Sassoon? Vidal Sassoon, absolutely. If you don't look good, we don't look good. Or whatever accent he had. Yes. Anyhow, Blair says, Joe, um, and Joe's thing is, I can't stay in school and live in the dorms. The money that I'm losing is what would pay for the dorms. So Blair says, I will help you find some place cheaper to live. And Blair says, we've been through a lot together. I almost consider you a friend. And it's like, well, you're besties and you won't admit it. You're not so that, a fuck buddy. But, <laughs> but then um, we go to the kitchen of Eastland. We're in the kitchen at Eastland. And Mrs. Garrett has got a tape recorder that she is talking to. Yes, this, is a, this is the weirdest plot device and I fucking love it. I had this tape recorder. Oh, me too. Oh, God, yes. And just watching her, because you remember you used to have to press play and record. Oh, yeah, two buttons. Yep. And if you didn't want to record over the cassette, you had to pop out that little tab on the top. And then you put the cassette in when you do want to record over it. And you're like, the the record button won't go down. And you're like, damn it. And you have to put a piece of tape over it. Piece of tape over it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, the tapes of my brothers that I ruined on purpose. Oh, bless. I still have the recordings I made. I used to, like, record skits and copy TV things. I still have them from when I was, like, you know, seven, eight years old. Your house is going to be fun to clear out when you die. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Mrs. Garrett is talking into this tape recorder, and she's talking about this brunch that Mr. Parker has asked her to cater. And while she's doing this, Tootie and Natalie come down the stairs. We have so much to discuss, Matthew, at this point. We have to halt time and discuss many things. Okay. Number one, I already addressed this last week in the graduation episode. Why are Judy and Natalie still living over the fucking kitchen? Why are they still there? If Blair and Joe were gone, we have to assume the debt is paid. Why do they still live over the cafeteria? Why are they back in the dorm? Later on, we find out that they are in the dorms. Right. So why weren't they then? Why would they have started the school year over the cafeteria and uh, anyway, why didn't, they, why didn't they just enter from the cafeteria rather than from the cafeteria? Well, they probably boarded that door up. There's a piece of plywood there. Now we have new hairstyles. Mrs. Garrett still has her updo. She does not have the balloon knot. 
has. I wrote down Mrs. Garrett's balloon knot. No. <laughs> ah. Her balloon oh. knot loose and hanging. Hanging, and it's it's a curly ponytail that almost it's it's so kind of has such uh has such girth to it that <laughs> <laughs> that it hangs doesn't hang very low it looks like almost just like a loose a free-flowing bun it was be- so much of her hair particularly season three was that super tight cats and jammer kids and it didn't fucking move her hair just looked freer and relaxed and like it might not have four pounds of hairspray in it yeah and there were some bangs cut into it so there were some layers that framed her her face a little bit just a little bit around the eyes and i am oh i i think the edna's edible seasons are my favorite mrs garrett hair seasons okay fair Yes. Tootie has got uh, the same length on the back, but now her hair has this flipping away from the face and over the ears. Anything is better than the penis head bowl cut. Yeah. From seasons three and four. So we are we're good with this. And her and, hair just gets better through the through the seasons. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. She, her hair journey is, is a pleasant one. And Natalie, we have no more braids, no more ponytails. We have feathering. And some highlighting. Natalie's hair isn't much darker than Blair's. Yeah. As far as... It's it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It does, again, just like everything in the 80s, it does age her. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yes. She does look 25 now. (laughs) So, Because I wrote down, the first thing I wrote down was, we opened the show with Blair, who has become a 45-year-old woman. (laughs) Because of what she's wearing at a co-ed dorm, but um, but I do like Natalie's hair. This is this is good Natalie hair. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, Mrs. Garrett's dress also needs to be mentioned because it is fucking amazing. Yeah. Did you notice it? She looks great. It's a bright, deep pink dress, and it has got these panels that run from the shoulders along the neckline. To the middle, one side is teal, one side is purple. Yeah. On the opposite sleeves, there is a buried pleat on the outer side of the sleeves. When she bends her arm, it opens up and it exposes those same colors on the opposite side. And the belt she is wearing also has a split in the color. So the belt has teal on one side, purple on the other. And the teal and the purple and the pink are just so 80s-tastic. They make me happy at the core of my soul. Well, and so is that that fashion of block block coloring. Oh yes, yes, so, such yeah. a thing. It's a very eighties uh, outfit. It is, yeah. Add some paint smears and some add wash acid washing, and I I'd have had a, I'd have I'd have had an orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, we can unfreeze now. Yeah. Tootie and Natalie come from upstairs, and it's like, who is Mrs. Garrett talking to? She's just talking. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, I'm talking to the tape recorder because I'm talking to my son, Raymond. But they prolong that joke. She goes, oh, I'm, I'm talking to Raymond. And they look around like, she's lost her mind now. Yeah. <laughs> and, I grew out of my imaginary friends. and yeah. yeah. So they, they prolong this joke for far too long. Yeah. <laughs> Even but, though one more sentence is far too long. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, Raymond, we I don't know, have we has he ever been named in name before? We know she raised two sons. We met Alex at the end of season two. I don't believe we've ever named Raymond. We, we, I don't think Raymond had a name before today, did he? I'm not sure. You I don't that, believe but... he did, uh, listeners, if you'd like to, uh, please, uh, uh, please chime in. And um, so she says, Raymond is an accountant. And so he's busy. He doesn't have time to read a letter from me. So I just record tapes in this tape recorder and mail them to him. And she is complaining about the fact that there uh, is this brunch for the alumni president and Mr. Parker has dumped far too much work on her. But now she was preparing to go to Langley to visit Blair and Joe with Tootie and Natalie. So just as they're about to leave, in comes Mr. Parker, who is a fucking dick in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Like, he's always kind of been buffoony a little bit. Yeah. I feel like he's just being mean in yeah. this episode. And I yeah. like yeah, you you sense particularly like I mean the the episode with the book uh, bannings was so good as far as them kind of finding their middle ground as a team. Yeah, and you know, and the only time he pulled rank on her was when she was getting to crit, and he's like, "Look, you're a dietitian. This is my this is my job. It's not your job." But the fact is that all of these extra catering things that she does for him that we've been hearing about for quite some time. This is a, an ongoing thing where as the dietitian, again, not the cook, <laughs> she's the dietitian. He comes in and he says, uh, uh, you know how you were planning a brunch? Well, now it's a dinner. And one of the people just went to uh, the Middle East. So let's do some Middle Eastern food. Yeah. And Mrs. Garrett is like, but the dinner is in two days. And he's like, oh, you'll make it work. I'm an asshole. Bye. And leaves. Yeah. And I think I get it, writers. Like, you had to do that. So the relief of her quitting mm-hmm. paid off. You know, oh, God, yeah. So the payoff was there. Yeah. Even though it's a terrible scene. Um, yeah. But, um. Yeah, the point when he's mean, which is a little bit later, we'll we'll talk about that then. Yeah. That could have been written, it like we say, he's always been somewhat buffoonish, and it would have easily been tweaked to just make him clueless, to make him not understand right. how um, insensitive he's being and how dismissive of, and again, read the room. You can't see she's upset. Yeah. And like, they, they, you could, they could have made him like, I'm flustered. Like, oh, and I got, I, I need you to do this. And oh, I got to get back to the, I'm going to get back to the shop. You can do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, you totally. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Just make it that he's so overwhelmed and can't be bothered with niceties and, and all that stuff. Yes. Good solution. Um, so very quickly, she's like, well, girls, I got to figure out what I'm going to make for this thing. So you're going to have to go to the dorms and visit Blair and Joe without me. Uh, so Tootie says, I'm going to bring my camera. And yeah. Natalie says, you're not bringing that camera. You always embarrass us. We're going to a dorm at a college. And Tootie says, a co-ed dorm. And Natalie says, okay, but be discreet. <laughs> I love it. Horny Natalie. Horny Natalie is in full force coming oh, up. Absolutely. Because uh, the we go on next to the dorm, uh, the, the lounge at the dorm. Yes. And uh, some kids are playing a board game. Are they still playing cards? 
I don't think anybody was sitting at the table because that girl immediately gets up and says, can we help you kids? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, really? Is that Was that such a thing? Like, I, in college and some high school person walks up, you're really going to be like, hey, kid. Yeah. Two years younger than I am. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off, bitch. Happened. But there is this thing of, Tootie and Natalie saying, don't act young. We want to act mature and all that. And then some of the kids offer them coffee and they're like, no, uh, no, thank you. And then this guy says, hey, do you have a cigarette? And Tootie, of all people, is like, no, I'm trying to cut back. (laughs) But then. Would not even be in the writing now. No. Oh, God, no. They would have never had somebody ask her for a cigarette. No, God, no. Uh, but then enters, then we get Guy comes in in a towel. God bless him. Perfect 80s, blonde, feathered, nice body, but not too crazy, muscly. I mean. I love that type of body. A, li- a little tiny extra, not quite a muffin top. Not but quite a muffin top. But but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. He wasn't crazy cut and lean like porn stars are. Or you know? like every 19-year-old college student now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, he had a, yeah, he had a really awesome, comfortable body that was not intimidating. Natural he, he could, hair. Like, what, what? Natural hair. He didn't shave his chest. Yes. It yeah, was. He, just beautiful but here's my question when did that change (laughs) like because now you know if this were filmed in 2020 it would be somebody who had a body like zach efron in that yeah and it's like i don't remember anybody in my high school ever saying the words i need to go work out yeah because It just like I'm fascinated by how hot that was in 1983, mm-hmm. and how now if we showed it to some twink, he'd be like, "Ew, dad." Yeah, that's a that's almost that's a dad bad. bod, and it's like, no, it's not. That's an awesome bod. Shut up, little fucker. Uh, when he comes in in that towel, the audience gives a ooh. Yeah. And like guys in dorms, in dorm lounges wearing towels, he's looking for a textbook, like yeah. you do. So he turns to Tootie and Natalie, and perfect joke. Have you seen my basic anatomy? I'm always leaving it somewhere. And they they do what David and Matthew would have done if that had been us. They just freeze and go, uh, 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 they are just rendered dumb. <laughs> but horny Natalie, to save the day, to save yeah. the scene. He walks out and well, Natalie starts tearing the shit out of things on <laughs> his book. Right. He says, if you find it, bring it to room 315. He doesn't even look for it. No. He doesn't no. even look for it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, like, oh, my God. Perfect timing. Throwing newspapers around, ransacking. So fucking funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love her. And then, um, then in come Blair and Joe. Not really. Other than where is Mrs. Garrett? She couldn't come. Oh, that's too bad. So then we get to cut back to the next scene. Anything else in that scene before we go back to the kitchen? I just love that they think college is coffee, cigarettes, and sex. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it is, but we can't no. say that on network television. No. Um, moving on. Moving on. Mrs. Garrett is still in the kitchen. She is angry, talking to the tape recorder. And um, I should have said it earlier that when Mr. Parker came in and changed the menu, she absolutely vented her frustration to the girls. And they were like, why do you put up with that? He's my boss. You shouldn't have to that. He's my boss. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? It, it's my job. I can't yeah. say no to him. How did we not mention that when we were talking about that scene, that that whole scene sets the whole plot point for her? Mm -hmm. They yeah. like, oh, and, and this scene as well. This, oh, this scene is... This? And, like, <clears throat> she's pointing out that she is under his control. Yeah. And she hates it. Mrs. Garrett has this hummus joke. Yeah. Health conscious Mrs. Garrett mm -hmm. is making hummus. And she <laughs> says, hummus sounds like something you put on plants to make them grow. Then she tastes it and says it tastes like something you put on plants <laughs> to make it grow. Well, what do you want, Edna? It's ground up chickpeas, for God's yeah. sake. And a healthy option. It's it's true, and and if you're making it, why doesn't it taste good? Fix it. It's like you're the chef here. Oh. But the, and the other thing is that people don't realize in the early '80s, outside of going to a Middle Eastern restaurant, hummus yeah. was not something you picked up at the supermarket. You couldn't get 57 flavors. It was it it's like chips and you didn't go to restaurants and get chips and salsa. That wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And in our pop culture, we were still just kind of acclimating to sushi in 1983. Yep. That was still very raw fish. But um, then Mr. Bradley comes in while she is mixing this hummus angrily and complaining to the tape recorder and saying, Raymond, can you believe he changed it? And then he comes and says, we want to change it to Asian now. One of the people it's going to China next year. And so it's to, uh, you know, how's your walk skills? <laughs> and, and she's like, but as good as my balloon nut. No. <laughs> and so she says, but all that chopping and blah, blah, blah. That's so much work. Yeah. And, and this is the same day. She's in the same dress. So yeah. he has just changed it twice in one day. This thing is two days away. And, <clears throat> And After she, she said, spent all this money to get the stuff to make the Moroccan food. Exactly. And now he's going to come in. I was just happy he didn't say Oriental food. Oh, Jesus, God. You're right. You're he did so say good. Asian, so I'm pretty proud of him for that's, that. That's good. <laughs> Progress is being made. Uh, so then she says, you're changing it again. And she finally says, you wouldn't treat a professional caterer this way. Yeah. And he just shrugs and says, well, you're not a professional caterer. Yeah. And the audience, get, you get the, oh, yeah. and she has to keep her shit together. So finally he leaves and she's like, oh, and she turns the tape recorder and says, did you hear that, Raymond? And uh, oh, oh, you did hear it was on. It was recording. Yeah. And she just says, I'm so tired of being at the mercy of other people. Oh, Raymond, if I could be my own boss, I'd, well, I don't have time for ifs right now. I've got to go and get to the library and <laughs> get books on how to cook Asian food. So, yeah. uh, and that's pretty much where the scene ends. So she says, I'm going to sign off on this. And and that's where the scene ends. So, and uh, foreshadowing. 
what I love is uh, just a timely reference. Not real. I don't want. It's just a time capsule reference. Going to the library for a recipe book. For cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to me that now, anytime I want to make anything, I just Google it. And oh, I have yeah. a recipe. And it just, it's funny to me how time-consuming this is. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett, as a professional dietitian who went to the school in Paris, yeah. doesn't have anything in her brain to say, okay, if he wants Asian food, I can do A, B, C, D, E. It's just very, very strange. Back in Blair's dorm. Yeah. And <laughs> this is a little bit of a surprise. Joe walks in. No lock on the door. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Joe is carrying a sleeping bag, a suitcase, and her toolbox. <laughs> and what tools are in that box, we do not probably want to know. And she has told, and Blair's asleep. The room is dark. She wakes her up and walks into her fucking room while she's asleep. And she says, oh, well, Blair, I moved out of the dorm. And she's like, oh, okay, so what are you doing here? And Joe drops everything on the floor. And basically, Joe has hatched this plan where she is going to sneak into Blair's room before curfew, sneak out after breakfast, and sleep on Blair's floor. And basically, uh squat in Blair's dorm room without paying to be in the dorm. And for some reason, Joe says, I'll come in the window and I'll go out the window. <laughs> what? That's, yeah, very. And here's the other thing. She talks about sneaking in before curfew. My first thought was, why is that? This is college now. There's no curfew at college. And that's weird. And then later we're going to find out that there's actually like a, a house mother who fucking polices the damn halls. Yeah. We're going to learn about her later, but it's like, who obviously wow. Lives there. Who obviously lives there. Yeah. But it's like in her robe when she comes. Oh, that's right. She is. She's in a robe. But yeah. it's like this is a co-ed dorm in college. College is the point where you're like, OK, you're all adults. Take yeah. care of your shit yourself. Why are they? It's it's not like the you know one of those hotels for young ladies aspiring to be actresses in New York City where Elaine Stritch lived in 1948. Right. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, Joe is so typically practical, and yet Joe is the one when Blair is like, "This is not going to work. This isn't going to fly." Joe's like, "Ah, sure it is. Ah, it's going to be great. Isn't this terrific?" Again, read the room. Yeah. Come on. I mean. Like, I just, I felt like it was out of character for Joe to do that that way. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I didn't really like the way. Yeah, it could have, she could have like pulled, pulled rank with the friendship more and sure. saying, Blair, if I don't stay here, I got to drop out of school. Do you want me to drop out of school? No, I don't want you to drop. Good. Then this is the solution. Right. We agree. Yeah. It, it could have been tweaked. Absolutely. Um. So that's where that's where we are at our we're at our first commercial now. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in the kitchen after we come back from commercial. Mrs. Garrett is looking at Tootie's pictures, and uh, she does mention there's a picture of a door and there's a boy in a towel. It's like you go Tootie, you got a picture. I want that picture. And while they're talking, this strange man walks in the kitchen behind yeah. them, puts down a briefcase and kind of shh, 
don't. So it's like, God, hope it's not a rapist. Yeah. And then he walks up, puts his hands over Charlotte Ray's eyes and says, guess who? And she's like, they do a joke about her feeling his mustache. And she's like, well, it's not one of the girls. And when he reveals herself, she's like, Raymond, it's Raymond, my son. Played by the amazing character actor, Joel Brooks. I love Joel Brooks. Okay. Do you are you familiar with him? Are, don't you feel like you've seen him in a billion different things? Sure. He's like that gross '80s guy to me. Oh, like he's yeah. Like, he's like you know how like um. There's I could see that you could you could see a Ron Jeremy thing going on there. He's like you know how like the the principal on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like that uh-huh. kind of just like. Yeah. Oh, you think he reads as sleazy? I thought he was. I thought he's charming. I, also, I actually wrote down he's creepy with his mother. Oh, like, the way really? he picked her up, and the way he like he moves her hair out of her face. Yeah. Touches her blouse, like, and the way he's standing over. You're right. He oh. didn't pinch like the fabric on her blouse. Yeah. And it's just creepy to me. So I'm a little creeped out by Raymond. Oh, I loved Raymond. Um, everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. But um, the thing is, I think what he was trying to go for was, okay, uh, I'm her son, and you have not seen me in four years. No one knows who the fuck I am. I need to quickly be able to establish physical intimacy and the connection between the actors to show that there is a history, a mother-son affection, and... I could see how that might have backfired a little, how that could have come off as I, I see where you're talking about. And the curly hair and the porn stash, that that wasn't an acceptable look back then. But nowadays, yeah, you see guys with that look in adult films, I, I, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> but the deal is straight um, adult films. You don't str- see oh, that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not in gay porn. I don't I don't think. I don't think either. Yeah. But look at his IMDb. He has been on MASH, on Soap, Dallas, Eight is Enough, Taxi, Private Benjamin, Different Strokes, Alice, Benson, Night Court. He was on a 13-episode series called Teachers Only in 1983. So that was running right now. That might have been a mid-season replacement. But he, uh, for his longest run, was two seasons or 44 episodes of My Sister Sam. Oh, God. It's the Pam Dauber show after she did Mork and Mindy. That was 1986 to 1988. And uh, the show is sadly notable because a year after it was canceled, the girl that played the younger sister of Pam Dauber was murdered. And uh, it's it's kind of tragic. But uh, that was a two-year run of a show and then he has since been in a hundred kabillion things including he does come back at the end of season five on the facts of life he only plays raymond that one more time on the show and then he is back for the reunion movie in 2001 managing blair warner warner's hotel and i'm like okay sure haven't seen him in an awfully long time but Okay, fine, whatever. 
Mrs. Garrett does ask if his wife, Doris, is there. It's like, no, 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 no. And then he says, well, I just wanted to come and see you because I want to make sure you didn't cut yourself with all of the chopping you had to do to prepare Mr. Parker's feast last week. So this is the next week, which is good because if it had been too soon afterwards, you know I would have been jumping all over Tootie having the pictures back from her roles of film. You don't get pictures back that quickly in 1983. Matthew is laughing very hard at me right now. It's funny because I thought that, and then I was, I had like relief when he mentioned, like the writers put it there, it was a week ago. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm on board. Okay. You, you were laughing because you were like, you totally clocked that too. It's like, nobody would have it. And then Mrs. Garrett says, you mean you were so worried you took the day off and came all the way from Massachusetts. So Raymond lives in Massachusetts. That's new information. I want to know what town. Maybe it's my town. Uh, but he says, actually, I've been here a couple of days because I'm working on a, I've been working night and day on a business deal. And I wanted to take you out to lunch to celebrate. And Tootie and Natalie are like, well, hey, we were just going to go to lunch in town. Uh, do you want to come and join us? And he says, uh, you know what? Let me take my mom out, but let's meet afterwards for dessert. I'll give you the address. And it's like, okay, great. So they all start to leave. And I'm sitting here. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Matthew? Who is feeding the girls at the school? (laughs) You're in the cafeteria kitchen. They're like, ah, we're going to go to lunch. Going to go in town. It's like, well, yeah, because no food to eat here. You're not the ones making it. I didn't even think about it. And they are in the kitchen. And there is no activity whatsoever by (laughs) just three of them in an empty kitchen. Yeah, but here's the deal. Matthew, this is the last time I'm ever going to say that. I have said it so many times on this show. Who is feeding the school? Why are they not? Every single scene should be them in the kitchen with the fucking dirty dishes and chopping and dicing and splicing. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm just saying it was just so funny how casual. Like, we're going to go to lunch. Ah, We're going to go here. Well, we can meet us for for dessert. Sure, we don't have to be anywhere. We don't have any obligations. Like class. <laughs> um, so then the little extra hint that Raymond drops before they leave is he says, oh, and mom, this place has the best apple strudel in town. And Edna, of course, is like, better than mine. <laughs> and he says, you'll have to judge that for yourself. And then gives her a creepy touch of the fabric on her. On her, on her. That's where he pinches like, Yeah. <laughs> It is a little silence of the lambs. Now that you mention it, it is a little bit, a little bit, but I still love him because I just, I love, and I love him in the next scene because Matthew, we now go to the next scene. Where is the next scene? (laughs) Don't cry. Don't cry. We see Edna's edibles. (laughs) We finally get to see. For the first time we get to see the shop. And it is a shithole. Yeah. It is. Ara's Eatery or something it said. It was called. Uh, Ara. A-R-A. Ara's Deli. Ara's Deli. Yeah. Ara's Deli. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he says it was an Armenian deli that failed. Yeah. So, um, okay. Ara, that sounds like an Armenian name, doesn't it? Sure. Why not? Um, But the tables and chairs are stacked up. There are cobwebs all over. 
everything. There's newspapers and shit everywhere. Shelves aren't even shelves. They're no. at an angle and collapsed and deshelved. They've <laughs> it's yeah. It's clearly, I mean, they have worked overtime to make this place look awful. And honestly, when we do finally see it pulled together, it is such a lovely little store. I mean, it really does look nice. But we are not there yet. With that said, they did work very hard to make it look nasty and dirty. The cast also works very hard to let you know how nasty and dirty it is. (laughs) They spend the next five minutes constantly pulling cobwebs off of themselves. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm gonna step on a landmine for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay, we get it. It's dirty. Yes. But they walk in like they just stepped into a war zone, and what is happening? <laughs> exactly. There's uh, there's COVID nineteen on every surface here. But um, basically, she sits. He says, "You want to sit down?" And a nice little nice little reference to the uh, to the folcu. She says, "Sit down." You never make me sit down for news. That's your brother's department. And we have established in the one time we met Alex, Alex is kind of the the no goodnik son, the drifter in the music biz who disappoints her. You know, Raymond is the the steadfast, dependable son. Raymond's the favorite. Yeah, yeah. Alex, piece of shit. Uh, so he says that he has bought this store. And he is giving it to her. He says, everything you see here, this is yours. And, of course, she's looking around at all the crap like, what? What is mine? He says, I'm giving it to you so that you can open your own gourmet food shop. Though in the future, I see it as a base of operations for your catering business. And she's like, wait, what What are you talking about? And he says, mom, as an accountant, you may sometimes think I don't have any imagination. But it takes imagination to see potential in investments and in people. And I put my money on you any day. I know. Isn't that so sweet? It's like he was a God. little close to her face when he said it. I, ugh. He was a little close to her face. <laughs> I don't care. I love I, it. It was sweet, but. Yeah. <laughs> but. um. Basically, she's like, "What? where did this come from? And she's like, Raymond, thank you, but no, I can't keep my job at Eastland and run a, a gourmet food store. And he's like, well, no, you're going to quit your job at Eastland. And she's like, uh, what? I can't quit Eastland. It's my job. I love it there. I have my girls, a pension, a dental plan, summer's off. Why would I leave? She says, but she gets it in there. Only one. But she goes, what about this? What about this? What about my girls? <laughs> yes. She really hits girls. She hits it hard, yes. And then uh, she says, why would I quit my job at Eastland? And he pulls out a tape recorder and plays it. And we hear her voice saying, I'm tired of always working for someone else. If only I could work for myself. I would and she goes, and here's the thing, because it drove me crazy. That was not the recording. It was a different line reading. Oh, yeah. yeah. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. This was pre-recorded. This wasn't them pulling it from the from thing. But, yeah. but she says the same thing. And yeah. it's him reminding her, saying, Mom, you wanted to fucking kill everybody. You were one step away from being on the roof with an automatic weapon. 
Ouch. So then just as she is realizing how right he is, in come the girls. Now she introduced him to Tootie and Natalie in the kitchen. We do take this moment. He meets Blair and Joe. So they've never met. This is the first time Raymond's been here. Um, so he says, tell the girls the good news. And Mrs. Garrett says, I'm going to be opening my own food shop. And they're like, yay, I'm starting my own catering service. Yay, I'm leaving Eastland. Oh, fuck that. Well, Joe and Tootie, Joe and Blair are happy. Yeah. Come in very quickly with the like, the yay. And then I wrote down the very audacity of Nat and Tootie. The very odd. Acidy. I cannot mm. imagine where they would get off. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck do they think there are? Oh my God. Because basically, uh, Tootie and Natalie are like, no, we're not signing off on this. We don't want you to leave Eastland. We need yeah. you around. I'm, and she's like, I can't work. And Blair and Joe say she can't work at Eastland forever. And Natalie's like, no, just till I graduate. And Tootie's like, you mean till I graduate? It's like, you selfish little bitches. Yeah, yeah. Oh. How much has this woman done for you? Exactly. The one chance for her to be happy, and you're going to shit on it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> No, we're we're on the same page there, hon. We are. Uh, so she says there are responsibilities and risks. Uh, and she says to Raymond, uh, what is the deal with the building? How could I pay you back? Yeah. And he says, you'll pay me rent at a competitive rate. And she's like, okay. And then she does say, but does Peekskill need another restaurant? Oh, no, is it Tootie and Natalie who say, eh, does Peekskill really need another restaurant? And then Edna starts seeing the potential. And she says, oh, well, that would be a perfect showcase over there. And there's a work area here. And, oh, curtains would make a world of difference. Yeah, that's what the show, I love that line. Curtain. <laughs> the place is a fucking demolished wreck. And she's like, well, curtains would help. Yeah. Curtains, yeah. Are, are they the shitty brown African print curtains that your boyfriend broke his back helping you hang in your bedroom that never did end up going up. But anyway, I digress. So the final thing is, so mom, you're saying yes. And she says, yes, I'm leaving Eastland and going into business for myself. And Raymond and Blair and Joe all hug her. Yeah. And Tootie and Natalie stand on the sidelines. With arms crossed. With their faces all squished up and yeah, they are not happy. <laughs> and on that note, we end part one part of one. this two arter episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we're gonna end there, Matthew. We're going to be back next week with part two, and you are gonna be back next week also, I certainly hope. Yes, and I would like the um, the audience to begin the petitioning to have me back for the third episode because I don't feel like everything is tied up with a bow in the second episode. Ah, uh, okay. You mentioned something about that. So, okay. Well, let's, uh, Matthew, let us discuss that <laughs> after next week and see. Uh, maybe I might consider bringing you back for so- season five, episode three. Because it's the 
It's the bow on everything. It wraps everything up and creates the show that you know and love so much. I get it. Yes. That the second episode leaves me a little bit heartbroken because Blair's Mm -hmm. not bored. But I will see you next week. See you next week. Smooches and goodbye, my love. Mwah! And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder. God, he just cracks me up, even over Skype. Just so much fun. I love whenever we get together, and he's going to be back next week. I've got that show recorded. I just need to edit it, and I can't wait to get started. One little housekeeping thing before uh, I send you on your way is you may notice uh, a little bit of a change in the way I'm posting things on the website, which are mirrored in all of the social media. I've been doing three posts a week, and what I'm going to be doing is cutting that back to two. It's just a little bit of a consolidation, simplification thing. And now you're going to get the show webpage every Wednesday when the show drops. And at the bottom of that webpage will be the link to the Facts of Life episode for the following week. That's on Wednesdays, and then Saturday is when you're going to get the posts of... uh, you know, potpourri, whatever, videos, uh, articles, artwork, advertisements and stuff. That's usually what was posted on Sundays. That's going to be Saturdays now. So just a little simplification, streamlining for the new season, seeing how it's going to work out. And uh, that's really about it, guys. So next week, get ready. Brave New World, Part 2, Season 5, Episode 2. And Matthew Arder is going to be back. So thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Stay safe and stay sane. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle facethefactspod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash facethefactspod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>